What's the password? <laughs> Welcome to the Game Master Speakeasy. Brought to you by the record button. Hello and welcome to the Game Master's Speakeasy. Come on in off the street and grab a drink. My name is Cody. I'm here with my co-host. I'm Lance. Hi, Lance. Why don't you tell everyone who has just arrived how your day's going? Uh, day's going well. We had a little bit of food before we got here and uh, got a drink in front of me, so that's a big plus. All right. Tell, tell, us, uh, tell us what we do here. Um, we, uh, we talk about gaming. Um, it is the Game Master speakeasy, but don't feel like we are exclusively talking about Game Master side stuff. Yes. We're, uh, we're kind of here for everybody. There's definitely going to be tips and tricks for Game Mastering, but if you're a player, you're just as valued here, and there's plenty of information for you to have. Right, that's true. You can't have a, uh, you can't run a tabletop role-playing game with just a Game Master. Asterisk. We can talk about that some it, other time. It could be a very lonely game. It could be. Uh, very lonely game, but also very very fun. There are games for it, which we can talk about some other time. Uh, for now, what's uh, what's something uh, that we're going to talk about today? Um, well, to talk about today, we need to talk a little bit about the last episode that we did before this. The previous episode was um, was kind of a, a, a explainer for for uh, well for everybody, but it was a tutorial, mo- if t- you will, tutorial mostly centered around. Um, the game masters. We made a little bit of a drinking game out of it, where anytime we would uh, we would spout off a term that the uh, the listeners might not understand, we would go ahead and define it and take a drink. Honestly, if you this is the second kind of of a two parter. So if you haven't seen part one, go and listen to that first. Go, go on, I'll wait. Yep, go. <laughs> All right, go. now that you're back, um, <laughs> now that you have definitely totally listened to the part one episode, then you'll understand what we're doing here. Um, when every time that we are going to explain a new concept that we haven't done, we will drink. But also, uh, it's whereas the last episode was primarily about game masters and their responsibilities, their role at the table. Uh, today we're going to talk about primarily what uh, players, especially what new players, should be thinking when they are first approaching their uh, nascent experiences for tabletop gaming. Tabletop role-playing gaming, specifically. But uh, first, first we got a uh, little bit of news for you. Um, to start off with, the I've got a couple release dates for some books. Okay, what do we got um, coming up? Specifically, uh, for those who that have listened to previous episodes, you know we play a lot of Pathfinder. is our main fantasy shtick, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it, I believe it is the 26th day of January, which is actually, by the time this episode comes out, uh, it'll be out for the Galactic Magic Rulebook for Starfinder, which is the sci-fi version. Then you've got the Book of the Dead, which I am particularly looking forward to. What's That'll, that? That's going to be uh, in March uh, of this year, 2022. That is going to be a uh, source book for Pathfinder 2, all about dead stuff, like necromancy. Okay. I, I assume there's going to be more necromantic spells, probably archetypes. There's going to be a host of more uh, undead creatures to use uh hope maybe maybe some better well better or adjacent rules for you know, having a swarm of undead okay. because if there's one thing that pathfinder 2 doesn't currently do it's it doesn't fulfill that fantasy of having like a swarm of hordes right and which is important to not slow down combat mm-hmm. for the other three to six people you're playing with at yeah the table. i mean if you're playing a necromancer and you resurrect an entire army of undead Mechanically, you know, as, as a GM, you're hoping that you have 
multiple swarms of undead rather than trying to put 50 minis out on the table. And the troop mm-hmm. rules kind of do that, but the players don't have the ability to control mm-hmm. these troops, right? Uh, so that is going to be coming out here in a couple months. Uh, and then there is another piece of news, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Have you heard of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender? I have. Or Avatar Legend of Korra? The first one was better. <laughs> well, regardless, <laughs> for those for those of our listeners who don't know, it was an incredibly popular animated show on Nickelodeon. It was incredible. And the it's got incredibly good world building, very lovable characters, uh, great story. And there has been uh, recently a Kickstarter uh, by... I believe Magpie Games is the uh, company that is responsible for uh, creating this game. However, it's using the Powered by the Apocalypse system. Are okay, you familiar we, with we've that? We've talked a little bit about we the have, Apocalypse yes. system. It's a very it's a it's a system that really helps aid that narrative style of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very popular system to use for indie games that have been coming out recently in the last few years because it really is. It's it really stresses the uh, no but yes and kind of GMing, okay. whereas in a lot of classic game mastering uh, in previous uh, classic systems like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder, it's a lot of you succeed or you fail a lot of the time, mm-hmm. uh, and then it's up to the dungeon master to if they want to fail forward, which is uh, failing forward. Drink, failing uh-huh. forward is when the. Uh, Anyone in the party fails the role, but the dungeon master narrates or the game master narrates in such a way that it still keeps the story mm-hmm. going forward. Like, oh, maybe in order to jump across this gap to reach the other side while you're chasing a bad guy who's fleeing from you. some of your equipment or something. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you fail your athletics check and you don't completely make the jump, but you grab the ledge and a couple of your coins mm-hmm. fall out of your pocket. You know, it, rather than just saying, oh, you fall to your death. It keeps the drama and the tension building. The story keeps moving forward. And the Powered by the Apocalypse games really lean into that sort of stuff. So it's like failure becomes a success with conditions. Essentially, yes. Or success can have additional conditions or bonus success, things Mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Uh, And it's a... I think that's a really good choice. Um, I personally have never run or played the system. It's another on my long list of things to get to. We'll get to it eventually. I, I, I own a copy of... Uh, Dungeon World, which is a fantasy game that kind of uses, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, a similar, it's based... Similar mechanic? Yeah, it, it's uh, definitely inspired by the Powered okay. by the Apocalypse system. Uh, City of Mists, I think, also might be Powered by the Apocalypse as well, which is one that we have on our future list of mm. games to test. Um, and that's, but other than that, that's all the news. They, oh no, wait, I didn't even say the crazy part. They're making a table, <laughs> yeah, they're making a tabletop <clears throat> RPG for a- Avatar: The Last Airbender, and they raised nine point five million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot <laughs> of gosh dang dough for tabletop mm. games, which I think is cool. I'm not surprised because it's a really popular IP. It and is. I, you, an <clears throat> IP means intellectual property. Oh. That's not tabletop related, but I'll drink for it. I mean, I don't need an excuse to drink. <laughs> So, uh, it's a very popular IP, but I remember read. I was reading through like the descriptions. Mm-hmm. Like, in in what world, Lance, do you want to play this game? And you're not going to make a like a bender. 
a bender being a person who control one of the four mm-hmm. elements: fire, earth, air, and water. Yeah, I mean, I feel like your your party's going to be heavy heavy into that. Yeah, because in it, it's like, oh, you can make a bender or a sword fighter or a merchant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Soka was cool, but I'd, I'd still rather be, you know, Zuko. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? Like you're toting around a, a cabbage cart yeah, the whole game. No, that's... That, the mer- merchant thing is... Yeah, no, you're, t- you're totally making, like, a fucking... A, a bender, right? <laughs> yeah. You're making a bender. Yeah. Are you going to be... Uh, here's a question. What element would you control? Oh, Fire. I think fire. Firebender? I've always been leaning towards earth. Okay. All right. Now that we've got the news out of the way, um, I I just want to say that I think you would totally lose against my Earthbender. And what's what's something you've been recently doing well, in tabletop? I games? thought we should talk about something you've recently been doing. You went ahead and tested a uh, a new tabletop system. We, well, relatively new, I believe it came out uh, last new, year. New to you, either yeah, way. It's new to me, anyway. Not all not everything we talk about in the news will be new to us, or it might not be new to you. Uh, but it's or it might not be. You know, at some point to somebody, it's news. But I played a war game, you know, our, our focus here at the Game Master Speakeasy is primarily uh, tabletop role-playing games, but we will occasionally talk about board games or war games, and I played a game called Stargrave against a buddy of mine, and it's a very, it's, it's a war game that is inspired by tabletop role-playing games, because in, the, in each match there's loot tokens, mm-hmm. and the primary objective is to get the loot and get out even though there's there's another guy shooting at you, and there might even be NPCs. So it's not like just totally... It's know. not like Warhammer where it's uh, control the objective or eliminate the uh-huh. enemy, which are the, which are the primary... Get, get the loot and get out. Get the loot and get out. And All then right. when you get the loot, you get experience to spend on leveling up your captain or your first mate. Okay. And your captain and your first mate actually have, like, they call them backgrounds, but they're classes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, uh, let's see, my captain is psionic, and my uh, my first mate was a biomorph, so he's like a mutant bioengineered uh, killing machine, rep, big reptile man. I printed three D printed out a mini for him. He's got a big old hammer, and he looks he's got a big reptilian tail and scaly head, and looks really awesome. I'm excited to paint him. And uh, on turn one of Stargrave, <laughs> my buddy's sniper natural twentied, which critical hits are a thing in this game, and just completely ganked. My uh, ganked my captain right off, right off the bat. <laughs> Just liquidated. Yeah, I liquidated him. I got to my captain got to move forward and cast a psychic shield on the first mate, and then the sniper took him out, and that was it. Uh, in the in the game with five loot tokens, I made it out with one, and I'm pretty sure it's because because my buddy was taking pity on me. <laughs> but we'll but uh, we're we're slated to play a second round um, uh, this next week, uh, this upcoming Wednesday. And I am hoping that the dice will be more in my favor because man, his, the first two rounds his sniper just nat twenty on both shots. I, I was losing dudes left and right. Uh, such is the will of the dice sometimes. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, I have been painting the miniature for the boss of the dungeon that you guys are currently in in, in the pirate campaign. Okay. And um, flushing out that combat encounter, adding more details to it. Uh, other than that, I uh, that's uh, that wraps up what I've done. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about our beverage for today. All right, yeah, let's talk about this beverage. This is uh, this is full on homebrew. In the uh, wise words of Rick Sanchez, yes. I make my own stuff. <laughs> so um, I have been known to occasionally make liquor, alcohol, or beer of my own volition. And uh, this is a gold nail. It came from a, a like one of those you know brew at home kits. 
Um, I don't remember the brand of it, but... Uh, Ooh, maybe but, maybe we'll find out and put it in the show notes. Maybe. We could, yeah. I mean, I could look <laughs> it up. I got another box of it at home, like, yeah, because I've got two of the kits. So I like it. Up. It's yeah, pretty it's, good. It's a pretty basic gold nail. Nothing spectacular, but I mean, it's, it's a good drinking beer. I don't know jack about brewing. Like, how long start to finish did it take to get this product in a bottle? Um, and I want to say it's about six weeks in the brew tank, and then... You bottle it, and you put uh, little sugar tablets in the bottom of the bottles. Okay. And you seal it, and then the remaining um, yeast that's in there feeds off that sugar tablet, carbonate, carbonates the beverage. Carbonates. Carbonates. <laughs> uh, carbonates the uh, the beverage in bottles. So, um... Okay. You could, I mean, so you, it, it, and, it and, adds and, the carbonation um, after the fat, yeah. after the beer is brewed. Now, they make cool machines that'll do that, but they're kind of pricey. Right. So why not sugar tablets the, are cheap. Why not, yeah, <laughs> just put a just put a tab of sugar in there and save yourself let, a bunch let, of money. Let the yeast do the work for you. Also, I imagine this machine—that's another gadget that would take up space in the basement. And I'd get in trouble because my wife thinks I have too many toys as is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's she's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I sold you a my hand me down 3D printer. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Earlier last year. Uh, all right, I what do you? I like it. It's got it's pretty tangy. I do like the level of carbonation in it. It's got a good flavor. It's a good gold nail. It's, it's a good sipping beer. I mean, it's or good just dr- just general drinking beer. It's not necessarily like a good dinner pair with something, or it's not as robust or meaty as a good porter. But uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot, right? So uh, because you brewed it, and you know, other people might be using this kit, but this was your batch. What do you name this batch of beer? Uh. The game master speakeasy. <laughs> All right, it's titular. All right, we're drinking the we're drinking where we're at. Okay, so for today's open topic, our our main discussion, we're going to talk about uh, more tutorial stuff. In the last episode, we discussed a lot of basic concepts like attack rolls, skill checks, saving throws, and we're going to talk about the responsibility of players mm-hmm. uh, especially when approaching their first session when they're learning the games uh, and for the for the most part we're going to assume you're playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons or something similar something that is an incredibly popular system mm-hmm. statistically it's just likely that currently in this day and age you're playing Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition if you're new to tabletop games and if you're not most of the same concepts apply the terms might not but the concepts are all there I mean a lot of these exactly. concepts are universal to uh to just tabletop role-playing games in general. So I will start with a couple points, and then I'll ask you uh, your opinions about yeah. them. Um, I think number one uh, of the the number one, if it, in a perfect world, the responsibility of the players would be to have a basic understanding of dice mechanics, mm-hmm. and then it's never going to happen. It's an unrealistic goal, and if you put <laughs> too much pressure on your players, they're going to dislike you for it. But you can decide your own level of sternness in this, but I believe players should at least know the character they're playing. If you are playing a game like Dungeons and Dragons, you have different classes. You might be playing a fighter or a wizard or a cleric, and you should know how your class's mechanics work. And you know what? I'm, I'm actually not seeing the, the word mechanics on here. You might be able to extrapolate <laughs> Uh, what that means, but... But it gives mecha- me an excuse to drink. Yeah, a mechanic, it just means, like, the rules that make up how your class functions within the game. Yep. That's what a mechanic... When people talk about mechanics, they're talking about just the rules, the the bundle of rules yeah. for a certain system. Dice mechanics, the mechanics for fighters, mm-hmm. all those things. Well, and I mean, it's, it's something as simple as, you know, if you look at a fighter, a fighter is basically walk up, whack a thing with a weapon, 
thing dies. Yeah. Now, there's there's obviously more to the mechanics than just that, but m- for the most part, fighters don't have as much, say, resource management as a uh, caster does. Right. Because casters have spell slots. Drink. Yep, drink. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain what a spell slot is. In many magic systems for tabletop games, you have a finite number of spells you can cast, whether it be in a day or a week. A lot of the time it's a day, and they call those your spell slots, especially in uh, D&D and Pathfinder. Mm, yeah. it's just, that's, that's what they are called in the most popular tabletop fantasy games. Uh, and so if you cast a fifth-level fireball, you have used one of your fifth-level spell slots. Yep. Uh, continue, please. Um... You know, and, and then there's there's certain mechanics. Um, rogues, for example. A lot of their damage comes from their positioning. So if you're playing a rogue, you have to understand how to get an enemy that is flat-footed or flanked. Right. Depending on the system that you're in, because otherwise, you're just going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not... You, you are not playing your class to the uh, fullest mm-hmm. extent, which in certain scenarios is okay. But in general, in combat, you want to try and be as deadly as possible. Well, and I mean, I think... Like, if you go into a combat in a tabletop game as a player, and you are just consistently underperforming, you're not going to have as good a time. So, I mean, it is to your benefit to know enough about your class to know how to utilize those mechanics to your benefit. Yes, we have talked before about fudging dice, which uh, you should never do, especially as a player. Uh, and usually there's... Except sometimes. <laughs> well, wait, as, well, a, not, as a player? No, not, not as a player. Oh, no, no, no. yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> You as the game master might fudge dice, Lance, but players never should. And they, there's usually a meta resource. What's mm. a meta resource? Hey, okay. <laughs> meta resources are usually a form of kind of in-game currency that um, can be used to alter you spend your, your it roles. To yeah, alter... you, you spend it to change things. So, uh, advantage in uh, in in five E for what's example. Adva- oh, what's advantage? <laughs> advantage is uh, we have explained in the previous episode how you make an attack roll or ability check or something like that um, advantage is a very popular well it's a very effective mechanic it's very simple and streamlined mm-hmm. um, you usually to make one of your rolls where you find out if you succeed or not you roll your 20 sided die and add the number advantage means you roll two 20 sided dice and take the higher result mm-hmm. and there are there are ways to acquire advantage in uh fifth edition or hero points in pathfinder correct which basically function similar very similarly and then in you can use then that token if you like you roll and well your roll sucks or if you're making a hard roll and you want to preempt it yep which is it's more of a, a fifth edition thing then you will use your advantage immediately, and then you will roll those two dice, taking the higher of the two. It's uh, statistically, it's about a plus five year roll, I would imagine. Approximately in in uh, fifth edition with the twenty sided mm-hmm. die. Uh, so, approaching combat, you want to set your set yourself up for success, um, is what you're saying mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, the dice might screw you, right? You might there's <laughs> nothing you can do can defeat a natural one. If your character's name is Aram, the dice will always screw you. For those at home, Aram is Lance's warlock that he's been playing for a couple of years in my game. And 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 this is I'm still convinced the character is cursed because <laughs> Bog rolls fine when I'm playing Bog. He seems to do okay. Bog is yeah, Bog. He does all right. I am using the same exact dice. You you practically dice. you practically saved the day uh, yeah. a couple sessions ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean Bog, he rolls average to high. Aram <laughs> rolls low average on a good day. You know you know what they call that confirmation bias. 
or curse. <laughs> or or a curse. Just the world may never know. That's right. Alright. So you you as the player, um, you have a responsibility to I'm digressing back now. Yeah. Know how your mechanics work so that you can at least set yourself up for success. If the die is not in your favor, that's there's nothing really you can do about that if you're out of your meta resource. But you want to do what you can so if you know how your character works, when the dungeon master calls on you, you're ready to react. You don't have to say, oh, wait, uh, I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. the, uh, how does that work? There shouldn't... You want to reduce the time it takes before you can move on to the next person's turn. Which gives me something to interject with, too. When in combat, as a player, when it's not your turn, be thinking about the things you can do on your turn situation you know that you, you may right after your current turn be have an idea what you're gonna do the next turn and that may change based on what's happening in combat but i would suggest having two or three options available to you so that when your turn comes up you're not like um oh uh uh, uh i don't know what i'm doing because you have all of the other players turns to think about that that is actually uh leading right into my next point <laughs> perfectly oh, good. i was going to talk about paying attention <laughs> If you are if you are there, so simple. you have come to game night because you want to be there. Don't if you if you ever are feeling like you don't want to be a part of game night, maybe you need to talk to your group and say, "Hey, I'm not feeling this." Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, if you are uh, agreeing to play in a game night, there's at least there's usually three or four people that expect you to attend. So yeah. I would encourage <laughs> you to have good quality attendance, if not perfect. You should really only miss. <laughs> An, an agreed upon game night because of like an emergency mm -hmm. or because you're ill or something like that. Because you're not the only one that blocked off time for this session. Right. Like it's, there it's... is, you know, depending on I mean, our, our game group, we have six players and one GM, which means if I decide at the last minute that I want to bail for no apparent reason, well, that's, you know, six other people who have already written into their schedules. That that's what they're going to do for the night. Correct. It's, it's disrespectful to your friends or acquaintances mm -hmm. time. And, and the thing is, your friends, they understand that emergencies happen. Absolutely. You know, if, if something big comes up, but I mean, if you're just like, I don't feel like getting off my couch tonight, eh, it's kind of a lame excuse. <laughs> it is. It is. I agree. It's a lame <laughs> excuse. You should try and make it to game night. Um, mm -hmm. Because it, everyone has agreed to be there. It's just not the same uh, if a character is missing, because some some groups will play with absent characters and either the, the dungeon like math. <laughs> no, we don't. We never we rarely <laughs> we ever do it, yep. um, but some groups will do it. They will have the dungeon master run the character or someone else will. It's and it's just not it's lacking. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not as fun. So be att be attentive and be attendant, you know, uh, be there and also try to be on time. Mm -hmm. Make it to the session on time. Know your character. Be ready to have fun. Pay attention. I, I'm going to say that uh, your mileage may vary. Some DMs are more or less uh, strict about mm. things like distractions like phones. Phones are a big one in the current day and age. <laughs> right? Like when Dungeons & Dragons first came out, you didn't have to worry about people... Uh, pulling out their cellular device. Everyone was there to play, mm -hmm. and they didn't have the distraction of the world beyond at their fingertips. Um, I, as a game master, try to encourage people 
not to be on their phones as much as possible because I'll be honest, when I look up and I see four or five of my six players all on their phones, it emotionally hurts me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> well, and, and, no, I, I agree. And I mean, if you remember when I was doing Deadlands for a while, I tried a full-on embargo on cell phones. It did not work you, out well. No, it's... it's <laughs> it did it's, not sit it, well with it anybody. It doesn't sit well because it's... It's unrealistic, I think, mm-hmm. for people to expect them never to check their phones. Yeah. Uh, so I just try to always encourage people to do it as little as possible. Well, and, and with Pathfinder, since we're using the Path Builder app, some of those phones may be out with an actual purpose. Right. You might have your phone out because you are playing uh, with digital tools that mm-hmm. have been approved. Uh, your Game Master is totally cool with you using an app for your tracking your character. That said... Um, you should pay attention when it's other people's time in the limelight so that other people will pay attention when it's yours. That's true. You, you, it's, it's fun when you are the one that manages to take down one of the big monsters in combat, when other people are paying attention, uh, there's, there might even be, you know, cheering, cheering, <laughs> you, know, that. you get cheering, high fives when, when teamwork makes the proverbial dream work. <laughs> So you just want to be paying attention because you want people to pay attention when it's your turn. So it's, it, I mean, that's really just the golden rule of mm. life, right? Like treat others how you want to yeah, be treated. It's pretty basic. Uh, I like it, as a game master, it really brings the whole experience together. When I see people paying attention to one another's turns, working together through the problems and just the whole package is just uh, sitting on the platter, fully wrapped <laughs> in a ribbon. And I, I think one of the ones that we haven't talked about yet, and this this is kind of maybe one of more my big pet peeves, but as a player, understand the setting that you're in. This is this is all this episode is, but uh, things that we as game masters find annoying. That yeah, players that players do. do, so don't do them. <laughs> but yeah, so don't do them. So the, the the setting for me is always a very important one for purposes of immersion. What's a setting? Uh, I'm going to drink for this. <laughs> for, for the, yeah, technically, mm-hmm. for those that don't remember their uh, elementary uh, literature, setting is time and place, right? Yep, that is, that is as it's most basic, time the set, and place. The setting of the Lord of the Rings is the Third Age mm-hmm. in uh, the... In in Middle usually Earth. Usually in Ariabor, in Middle-earth, yep. yeah. And so when, when, when I say that, I, it really it really comes more to character creation probably than playing. But That's even, a good point. But even playing. If you are playing in a, say... Well, we, we we're sitting here looking at the Call of Cthulhu books right now because we just I just got a, a couple of copies of those. You know, if you're playing in like the oh, yeah, night, that, that the, new book smell, the new book smell, the uh, if you're playing in the 1920s, you know, don't try to make like a fantasy night. Yeah, I understand that there's swords in the game and that you can give your character a sword because swords but, technically but still existed in 1920. Existed they exist 1920. today, but people weren't going out to battle with swords. No, they and, weren't. That's post World War One, right? So, I mean, I, I guess as a player, pick a you know, choose to join a, a gaming group that is playing in a setting that you're going to enjoy, but don't try to wedge a character into a setting that does not make any sense. Understand that an idea you have for a character might not fit the type of game the game master is looking to currently run. That's correct. Ideally, everyone will be on the same page, but if you have a dedicated friend group and you've got the same like one or two guys or or gals or people that are always running the game master position know that the game master deserves to have fun too Mm -hmm. so you want a better quality game you want to let the game master run what they're excited about yeah 
Ideally, it'll be something you're excited about, too. Um, so if the Game Master wants to run uh, Pathfinder, but wants to completely forbid the Gunslinger class, that's kind of on them. Yeah. Uh, they, they just, in their, in their home homebrew world, meaning homebrew meaning that it's rather than using an established setting, they made it up themselves. I just explained homebrew, so take a drink. All right. I'm actually running low on beer here. I didn't while, while I keep going, will you, is there any more? There uh, might be a little bit left in the bottle. All right. Uh, while Lance does that, I'll continue. So understand that... Getting at it. The Game Master might have an idea. Just rip it. Just rip the Band-Aid off. There you go. Zipper's done. <laughs> uh, while the Game Master might have a specific idea for a setting, uh, know that your character might not fit, just shelve it. Put that character concept on the shelf for another time where it will be completely... It'll fit in the jigsaw puzzle, and you'll have a much better time playing that character because now you're playing in a setting that is designed to include it. Yeah, for sure. What do you have to add about everything we've talked about so far? Anything in, anything to counterpoint? Anything you disagree with? Um, no, I mean, I, I don't know if I call it a counterpoint. I guess when you, when you mentioned the, you know, knowing how to play your, your class... I, this isn't this isn't much as a counterpoint as a, uh, a a differentiation between systems. Certain systems require more of that, and certain systems require less of it. Um, like generally speaking, if you're talking about a non-class based system, yep. where the rules are pretty flat across the board, with a few minor exceptions for certain tweaks and abilities, you might not have to know the full-on in and outs of everything your character can do, because if most of what they are operating on is the baseline rule set for the game. Everybody else at the table is going to be able to help you with that. That's true. But when you're talking about a class-based system like Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder or something like that, the GM cannot memorize every single possible class ability combination, combination of feats or anything like that to help handhold you through that entire experience. You're going to have to do at least a baseline level of research. And this is a good... I mean, this is good advice for just, you know, treating other humans well, but especially at the table, the Game Master needs to have some patience with the players, and the players should try to have an equal amount of patience with the Game Master, mm -hmm. just to keep everything um, a modicum of both respect and understanding that not everyone's going to have encyclopedic knowledge of these books. Uh, a lot of them run 200 to 400 pages, Yep. right? So the Game Master has to decide when to make a ruling in the moment and when to stop the game and look up a rule. Uh, with that said, a lot of games do say that the Game Master is the final judge, the final arbiter rule of the zero, rules. Rule zero, baby. The rule. Game Master is always right. Yes, technically, and I agree with this, the Game Master is always right. Ideally, that means you'll have a Game Master who uses their power with wisdom and skill. I mean, I, I could almost put, put in addition to that. The Game Master is always right in the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because if, you know, there, there are going to be times that the Game Master is going to make a ruling that is not in line with what's going on in the books. Because for the, ter for the purposes of expedience, the Game Master is not going to stop the game and look up every time there's a there's a rules dispute. Right. There or, or no one remembers it. Yeah. Or, that's yeah, that's mm -hmm. usually the bigger one, is that no one remembers how a rule works yeah. at all. And and but but when you are playing in that moment, whatever ruling the GM makes, just take it. Because anytime any any fighting is just gonna it's gonna it's gonna work against group cohesion. Anytime the game master has to spend looking this stuff up, his time that we're taking away from all of the players at the table, not just you. If you have a dispute 
talk to the GM about it after the session. Yeah. You guys can sit down with the rule book together, go over and figure it out, and then you're both a little more knowledgeable for it in the future. That's usually the way to do it, is to simply have a proper discussion. Say, you know, the game master should say to you, the player, hey, I don't. this is how I'm going to rule it now. I'll look up how it actually works after the game. Mm-hmm. That's usually the best way the game master can handle it. And you as the player should uh, have an understanding... And and I, I would plead with you to seek to be okay with that. Yep. So that it's so that you can keep on having fun at the table. Um, you know, you might be able to make your case. Kind of kind of read the room. If you're fighting a random encounter or some schmoes on the street, definitely roll with the punches and let mm. the ruling occur. But if you're in the final battle of the campaign and it might make or break the outcome of a two-year narrative then you might be able to get other players on your side and say hey this might be really important this might be worth a five-minute break can we look it up Mm -hmm. you know don't demand uh in the same in the same way don't be don't be rude i mean just uh don't be a jerk you know that's a that's a pretty good rule in general don't be a jerk about it but ask hey can we please look this up i think it's important well you should be allowed to feel like you can still express your desires and wishes. Well, and what I like to try to do just as a courtesy is if I have an idea and I don't know how it's going to work, I will either ask the GM before I make my rolls, is this even a thing I can do? Or uh, even a a couple of turns ahead of yours, if you think about it and say, hey, um, how clear are we on what, uh, you know, how how do the grappling mechanics work? Because then, you know, like Cody here keeps a laptop in front of him when we play and so he can quick type in a search for it if he needs it, as long as I give him a little bit of advanced warning that it's something we might need to, to have the information in front of us yeah. so that we don't slow the game down as much. Yeah, or alternatively, the Game Master might ask you to help them run the game. You mm-hmm. know, I, In that same scenario, I, the Dungeon Master, might say, um, well, I'm dealing with with uh, this guy's turn. Can you look it up for me? Yeah. And, you know, you should be willing to help. Especially if it's something you're planning on doing. Put your dang phone down and help him look up the rule. <laughs> or use your phone to help him look up the yeah, rule I'm if sure. it's there. Yeah, if you're going to be on your phone, do something productive with it. Exactly. <laughs> that way you can keep things rolling. Uh, what else? What else is good? H- how about some advice? In addition, we've kind of given broad, broad concept uh, mm-hmm. to give out as almost like philosophical advice. But what are some, what are some tangible things players can do? To, in order to help speed up the game. I, my, the first one that comes to my mind is, if you're going to be casting Fireball, have at least eight six-sided die in front of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Prepare for... You know, it comes back to when I said, hey, between your turns, plan your turns. Right. You know, if you if you think, well, next round I'm going to I'm gonna blow out a Fireball, and you know that that's going to require you to huck a whole bunch of D6s across the table, get your D6s out. Yeah, get a... get a Or uh, if there's a community pile of mm-hmm. dice, start, start fishing them out of there. All the Crown Royal bags I have floating around my house yeah, full yeah, of pounds and pounds of dice. That's another thing you should do as a player. Uh, if you're not old enough to drink, have your mother or father uh, get you one of these. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> you, can, you can sometimes find them at, like, Goodwill I or mean, something. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a pricey dice bag, but the fact that it comes with a free bottle of whiskey with it... <laughs> That's true. Makes Crown Royal really, really good. They they make really good dice bags. They make complimentary whiskey does not hurt, and a variety of colors (laughs) and flavors. And flavors. Do you actually know the dice bags are not flavored? (laughs) How do you know? Uh, We're not going to talk about that. (laughs) Womp womp. You know what does have an awful flavor? (laughs) Nintendo Switch cartridges. I have not. Why would you? 
<laughs> I'll explain some other time. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's but to the long story short, it's so that little kids do not swallow these tiny oh, cartridges. Oh, so they're literally designed to keep on, kids on from purpose. eating them. Uh, so what else? Um, make sure that you, if you can, memorize your most important statistics mm-hmm. that your character has. Uh, if you're the, if you're the hacker of the group. Know what your bonus to hacking is, yep. so that you don't have to look it up on your character sheet every time. You don't need to know what your you don't need to know what your professional wrestler's uh, lock picking or disguise skill is, mm-hmm. but know what his athletic ability is. Yeah, well, like when when I was playing um, my uh, Battlemaster Fighter Tusk in Five E. Yep. Um, the whiteboard uh, down in the bottom, I would write down my plus to hit and my base damage. Yep. That's, so that's that I didn't it. even have to pull out the character sheet. I knew I rolled d twenty, add that number, roll those, add that. That's damage. Boom done. Because that was the thing I was doing the most of in combat. There's multiple things you could do. If you're using a whiteboard to track certain things uh, with a dry erase marker, you can write your relevant stats on there. Uh, You can pull out some highlighters, some colored highlighters, and color code your character sheet if you prefer to do it that way. Um, If there are other players that are newer than you... Uh, the patience thing comes back, but if if it's neither of your turns and you are sitting near people, you can you don't always have to ask the game master. You might you, your nearest uh, seated neighbor at the game might know as well if the yeah. the thing that you want to look up. Hey, so you you lean over and whisper, Hey, do you remember how grappling checks work? And well, and and if you're a particularly um, if you're if you're kind of a knowledge sponge as far as players go, um. Watch the other players at the table. You can kind of almost start memorizing their own abilities for them. That's true. Yeah, the number of times we have had uh, Jared just tell Lance, or not, no, you're Lance. Jared, I'm Lance. Jared or Lance tell Dan what his bonus to hit is. Yeah, yeah. I sit next to the guy when we play. I know his character about as well as he does. Which is fine. And like I've well, said before... And if I ever go to play a monk, I've already got a few steps in the right direction because I've true. got a pretty good idea how they work. You could really... Uh, it'll be a, a real flurry when you get there. Uh, uh. <laughs> if you want to know the stupid joke I just made, go pick up yourself a copy of either Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder and look up Flurry of Blows. <laughs> Uh, so, what are some other good pieces of advice for players to increase everyone's enjoyment at the table? What is their What are their other responsibilities that you can think of? Bring snacks. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> the game master puts a lot. You oh, you just have to. We've asked you to show up on time and pay attention. Mm-hmm. The game master has to do that, but also has to uh, if they're making up their own narrative. You know, it's a homebrew campaign. A campaign being a string of a series of adventures. An adventure, I think we've already discussed. Uh, adventure being like a, a series of scenarios put together. Uh, but the the dungeon master or game master or keeper or what have you, if they're at home writing, like, game mastering is kind of its own separate hobby that yep. they do when you're not at game night. They put actual time and work so that when you show up to game night, you can have a good time. So, it, in that regard, um, bring snacks. Bring snacks. <laughs> you know, if if it's if it's uh, if it's if it's pizza night, chip in five bucks. Yep. Or uh, and it doesn't always have to be the dungeon master. So the or the game master. Um, if there is the host, if the host is another one of the players, mm-hmm. you can also bring snacks for them too. Because like they it. they are graciously allowing you to come into their comfortable living space with their large sofa and. And a nice wide table that I don't have at my house. 
that, that's fair. <laughs> so the, you should uh, be willing to uh, accommodate them the way they accommodate you. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, show up, pay attention, bring your stuff with you, character sheets, or if you got an app for it, or your dice, all the things that you're going to need for the session. Make sure that you do as much of preparing yourself as you can so that the Game Master doesn't have to worry about you as well as all the things that he has to do. Right. The Game Master has a lot to do, and you can help them and yourself and your your other players out immensely just by doing all those things that Lance just said. So I believe that kind of uh, gets the point across. Yeah, I think so. So just in, in broad strokes and a couple smaller ones as well. If you have, Can you think of anything else before we wrap up this episode? No, but have fun. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, a, that's, that's another important rule, that's, actually. That's probably maybe the most important one of all yeah. of them. Have fun. You Come. show up to enjoy it. Your fun is going to be contagious. If you're having fun, all the other players are having fun. Then the GM's going to have fun entertaining you guys. That's right. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful circle. It's a it's a self-replicating behavior. Circle of life. Oh gosh. <laughs> All right, so that is uh, that's last call right there. Uh, so that is going to be it for this episode. Uh, we encourage you to come back another time if you want more of us. Uh, so say, for instance, there's other episodes you haven't listened to, or you want to recommend them to your friends. Wink, wink. Do that. Uh, you can find us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify. We are brought to you by the Record Button Production Group, who is on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as YouTube, which is where these videos get uploaded. If you have any questions, comments, and concerns for the Game Master Speakeasy specifically, or if you want to maybe suggest some episode topics also wink wink yeah uh, you can you email us yeah please please <laughs> i would i'm really looking forward to maybe getting a little bit of uh, correspondence or maybe a little feedback's good you know if we get enough people we might even start a discord sometime oh man you know maybe uh but in the meantime email us at gmspeakeasyofficial at gmail.com and we might have your uh, topic here on the show so yep. I would be very eager to discuss the things that you want us to talk about. That said, that'll be it for this episode, and please get home safe.